Uh, we see the stars, but you can't reach them. So why would God do that? He displayed His glory and creation for us to view, to see Him. And reaching out to Him, we are better for it. We see a God who is invisible in the face of Jesus Christ. Along the path of climbing a mountain which leads to life and to love, there are moments in the climb that are almost vertical rock walls. Then unless somebody drops a line to us and a secured anchor and pulls us up, we'll never make the climb. We have such a climb to make today in John chapter 14. So go with me, if you will. The good words of A.W. Tozer reminds us of this image of God. I read to you just some thoughts out of a book called The Knowledge of the Holy, out of a chapter that is entitled, Why We Must Think Rightly About God. Tozer writes this, What enters our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will probably show that no people, no people have ever risen above its religion or concept of God. A man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea and concept of God. He goes on to write, without doubt, the mightiest thought that the mind can entertain is its thought of God. The mightiest thought. Thought and speech are God's gift to creatures made in His image. None other than we can at least begin to attempt to fathom the Almighty God. No dog can do it, no cat can do it. We, as creatures and made in the image of God, can see the stars and know there's someone who created all of that. Tozer goes on to write, These are intimately associated with him, and impossible apart from, it is highly significant that the first word is the word, the word was, what, was God and the word was with God. Jesus Christ is the full expression of God Almighty to us. Now, I want you to think about how small we are in relation to all that God has created. If you take the planet that we live on and put it up against the galaxies and the universe that we live in, we, the planet is a speck of dust. And we, on that speck of dust, how small we are, and yet God who created all things has come down to us and displayed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Not in partial, but in fullness. Thomas asked him a question in John chapter 14. Look at it with me, if you will. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know how to follow you or where you're going? Jesus had just predicted, had just told them that I go to prepare a place for you. In fact, he said, in my Father's house are many 
rooms or mansions, if they want to stick with the old King James. Now, I want you to think about that because we naturally run to heaven and picture the mansion that we're sure we're going to get, like it was this place. But is that what Jesus is really talking about? Did my friend Mitch get that Oreo mansion when he died? In my father's house, I want you to see how beautiful this is. In my father's house are many rooms. What was he really saying? I, I might have lots of rooms in my house, and I might not make them available to you. But if I were to say to you who were homeless, in my house there are many rooms. What I would be saying to you, I would be saying that in my heart there is room for you in my house. That's the big deal, isn't it? You might have a boarding house. You might show up for breakfast and pay. You're just filling a room to give the owner money. But in the Father's house, He has space for you. Will you let that sink in? God Almighty, who is depicted by Jesus as a Father, has opened His heart to you to give you a room in His place. This is not about a location somewhere on the streets of glory. This is about a Father who loves you so much that He has opened His heart for you to come live with Him. That's the huge deal, isn't it? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, what did He mean? We preachers have been famous for saying, oh, for 2,000 years the carpenter of Nazareth has been building that place. What an incredible place that must be. He hasn't been building. The Father already had mansions already available for you. When he said, I go to prepare a place for you, what he meant was, I'm going to take the sacrifice of Calvary. I'm going to lay it out before the Father. I'm going to prepare the way before you so that you have full access to all that the Father wants to give you. I've gone to prepare a place for you by the sacrifice of my death. His crucifixion on the cross of Jesus Christ did not happen 2,000 years ago. It happened as if it happened seconds ago. And He did it for you. He died in your place to give you a place in the Father's heart, which He had opened for you. But He couldn't receive us because sin was in the way. And He took care of all that. He made a place for us. So in saying that, Thomas says, look, See, he's still got the, the mindset of this is some, where we're going. We don't know where you're going. We don't know how to get there. He didn't know he was already there. Because Jesus says, well, look at it with me. Chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way. I'm not pointing you in a direction to go. I am the end of your journey. 
I am the way. I am not only the way, I am the truth. There is no way other than the person of Jesus Christ. There is no truth apart from Him. Not only that, He is the life. The life. Now let me tell you what happened in the Garden of the Garden of Eden. Horrible thing happened there. The temptation of Satan went like this. He said to Eve, come eat the fruit. God doesn't want you to have this forbidden fruit for this reason. In the day that you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. Your eyes will be open. You will know right from wrong. And Satan was exactly right. That's exactly what God knows, right from wrong. But what Satan did not tell Eve in the garden that has affected all of mankind, and it is a source of all evil and trouble in our world, is this. That man would not only be like God and that he would know good and evil, man would begin to think that he was God. Now let me tell you how deeply this is ingrained in all of us. We think we are the way. Our way is the right way. And everybody that thinks differently is wrong. Our opinion is the highest and the best. We can't get the world to listen to us, but if they did, we'd know we, could drain, we could fix this whole thing because our way is the right way. Our truth is the right truth. You ever met somebody you couldn't tell them anything because they knew it? Most teenagers are in that spot. At age 13, the knowledge of the universe descends on them like this amazing capsule, captivating their mind. And the parents, no matter what, they've never been there. They've never done that. Parents are stupid. They know it all. What the kids have forgotten is we were there and did all that stuff. You can't pull anything over on us because we've already done it. We were there before you were born. But that not only affects teenagers, it affects all of us. We're really sure that our way is the right way. We're pretty sure that our truth is right. And if you want a fun time, if you want to have life, hang out with me because I'm, I'm, I'm life. <laughs> we think that we're God. Now, Adam was made in the image of God. What does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things, but it means definitely three things. That we were given a will to choose. That's the only way Adam and Eve could have fallen, is they were given the right to choose. Secondly, they were given an intellect to be able to think and be rational human beings. Thirdly, they were given emotions. The Greeks called it pathos. The emotions of life. To cry, to laugh, to, to be sad, to be happy. Notice Jesus, the true image of God, is all of those things to us. He is, notice, the way, but we choose our will, don't we? Some of you make choices that are, all of us make choices that are horrible choices to make. Because we never consult God Almighty or the Lord Jesus who is the way who can help us make choices of will. He is the way. 
Most of us suffer from things in life because we've made choices apart from any aid of God. Because rationally, we knew we were right when we made the choices. Because we're God. And we know. And no one can tell us. He is the way which talks to our will. He is the truth that activates our thinking and knowledge. Think of it. This whole world is in a mess and they don't know why. We know why. Because we have the truth and the truth has stimulated our intellect and we've thought through this thing because of the truth. And the truth is this world's a mess because of the sin of mankind. And nothing will fix this world as long as sin is in this world. No political party will rescue this mess. No king will arise to fix it all. No effort of man will straighten this. It's sin. We know the truth because we know Jesus Christ. And we have emotions. Jesus said, I am the life. Aren't you glad of that? One of the most lifeless places in all the world is the church. Do you know that? Many churches you go into, it's like a morgue. You, you get more life out of a funeral service than a church service. But where his life is active, where Jesus Christ is proclaimed and preached, and where folks have their eyes and focus on the life, there's no life that the church has to bring to you to stir it all up. He is the life of the church. And as we just sang, we wait for him. No plan B here. If it takes too long, we got to do something. We get all nervous with nothing. We wait on his life. We wait on his life. We wait on his life. His life shows up, and there's life. So apart from him, I have no idea of what to do right in life and make right choices. Apart from him, I have no truth to stimulate the mind of intellect to do anything at all. It's honoring to God. And apart from Him, we are toasters that have plugged ourselves into ourselves and there sits the bread and there sits the butter and jam and nothing happens because there's no power. Okay? All right, that's all introduction. Now we begin the message. (laughs) No. Philip says to him this, Lord. Oh, verse 7, he says... Uh, I can't, I got to finish for No one comes to the Father except through me. He just eliminated every religion in the world that's apart from Christianity. He just blew out of the water the Hindus. The, uh, he just blew out of the water uh, Mormon, or, uh, Mormons because they don't have the right Jesus. The Jehovah Witnesses because they don't have the right Jesus. He just blew out of the water all the Muslims of the world. He just blew out all the, every religion that you can possibly imagine. He just eliminated. You might say that's exclusive. I say it's inclusive because everybody can come to him. He hasn't excluded anyone. But if you're going to get to the Father, you're going to come through the Son. Period. That's it. Go on, call us narrow-minded. That's exactly what we are. Because there's only one way. Period. Notice, he says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Are you ready for the rock wall? Here, here, here's the rope hanging down to us. 
Notice verse 8. Philip says, (laughs) show us the Father. That's enough for us. Show us, show us the Father, and it satisfies. Notice Jesus' answer. Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Rockwall. Jesus is not the Father, he's the Son. There are three in heaven, three distinct persons. The Trinity is not three expressions of one God. It is three distinct persons who are one in unity. There is one God in heaven. He is three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You say, I I don't understand that. You never will. It's beyond the finite mind to comprehend how three can be one and one can be three. You know, we call it the universe. Do you know why we call it the universe? Because there's unity with diversity. The creator God is stamped on all of creation. Do you know that? Universe. One diverse and three distinct persons. We have one species of tree. We have one tree, but you have a multitude of types of trees. This is the triune God. So Jesus isn't saying he is the Father, but notice what he does say. He says, have I been, that you have not known me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Notice he didn't say, whoever has seen me has seen someone like the Father. Well, how could he say, being the Son, that if you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father? Well, you say, well, have you ever seen the Father with a Son in a physical thing? Like, uh, probably John has some traits of mine. Uh, Landon has some traits of you. And so you have sons invited, and you can say, well, I see a lot of the Father in the Son. That's not what he's saying here. He is literally saying, when you look into my face, because the Father and I are one, not one in agreement, or one, one in essence. Notice he goes on to say, how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? This is, this is without doubt the strongest claim to deity in all the scriptures. And I'll tell you why. It is possible for a father to be in a son because the son came out from the father. You know, when, you're, when the boys misbehave around the, the house, the mother goes, that's you right there, dad. His father's coming out in him. That's what they say. Yeah. So there's possible to have the Father in the Son with attributes and characteristics, but it is impossible to have the Son in the Father when there's an origin and outflow. The only way Jesus can say this is that he is co-equal with God, he is co-eternal with God, He is God. 
There were two uh, men who lived in the third and fourth uh, century. Uh, One was Athanasius. Athanasius was an early church father. And there was another man in the church who became a heretic, and his name was Arius. Uh, Arius taught that there was a time when Jesus was not, that he was created. Not begotten, he was created from God. And there was a time in eternity past where God the Father created the Son. That there was a time there wasn't the Son, and then there was the Son. Uh, That heresy has not gone away. It is displayed today in Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, Christian Science, many false religions and heresies of the like. But Athanasius' great statement was this, there never was a time when there was not the Son. Never was a time. And thank God the orthodoxy of the church won the day, and the church has this as a truth based on the statements of Jesus Christ. It was never Athanasius against Arius, never. It was the scripture against Arius is what it was. And here you have it. Do you not believe that the Father is in me and I am in the Father? Now, I want you to think about that. God is infinite. That means he is without measure. We say he's a big God, but we really can't say that because he is immeasurable. There never was a time he was not. He has existed for all eternity. Never in the time bubble did he start somewhere. Let your mind grasp these things as well as they can. Everything he possesses, he possesses in infinite. He possesses without measure. His holiness has no degrees to it. His righteousness has no degrees to it. His love for you and I has no measure to it. He doesn't love you tomorrow more than he loves you today. He doesn't love you more when you are good than when you are bad. God is immeasurable in his scope, size, and infinitude. And here is the Son of God, Jesus in the flesh, claiming that that which is infinite is in me. The only thing that can handle infinitude is infinitude. Got it? Infinite can't touch infinitude. Jesus is God in the flesh. Well, what's the implications of that? You better listen to him because what he says matters. Because in the end, we will come before the great white throne if you don't know Jesus Christ. We give account for our lives based on the life and statements of Jesus Christ. He was who was rejected of men is the cornerstone of everything that's going to happen in all eternity. I was a carpenter. He, he was a man who lived 2,000 years ago in Nazareth. He built tables. He made some bad statements, got in trouble, and they, they killed him. They killed him. And on went Rome, and on went the world, and he's despised and set aside. Do you see who he is? Do you see that he is beautiful? 
Do you see the magnificence of the one who walked like we walked and lived like we lived, and yet he was God in the flesh? 